Good morning. Good morning and thank you to the worship team for leading us. Um, let's just pause for a bit in prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your wonderful presence with us that helps us come alive to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please help us in this space, Holy Spirit, as we engage with your word to draw us into yourself, um, moving your power, moving your grace. You grant us understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, it's good to be back to see you. It feels like um, first time we've seen each other since we got engaged. So it's um, <laughs> it's great to be back. Um, I've been given the task of introducing the introduction into um, discipleship, which is a series that um, you're embarking on next, the journey of discipleship. And I was wondering today to begin with a question, who are you doing life with? Who are you doing life with? It's not a trick question. Um, and I thought it's always good when you think about anything in scripture, in life, to start from the very beginning, a very good place to start, as some Sound of Music fans would know that one. So um, I thought we'd start at the beginning, right at the very beginning of it all, with Genesis, if that works. There we go. So we start at the very beginning, and at the beginning, it says in Genesis 1 from verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Oh. Let's go with, let's go with the, the paper one works. So it says, God says, let us make mankind in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, yada, yada, yada. And then it goes into verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I was thinking about where God says, I mean, there's a whole theological discussion about who is God saying this to. We're not going to get into that. You'll be glad to know. For the purpose, we're going to say, well, God is saying it to God, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in our own image. Let us make another person like us. Let us make another person like us. And I began to think, when else does this kind of conversation happen? When else do a couple of people get together and say, let us make another person like us? And I thought, I, I remember having this conversation maybe about 11, 12 years ago and thinking, you know what, I think we're ready to make another one like us. Um, spoiler, we were not ready, but you always kind of think, oh, let's make another one like us. It's kind of the language of relationship. It's, it's the conversation that happens before children come into the world. So when God has this conversation, when our trial, God has this conversation, let us make another like us. Is that kind of relational statement. Let us create children. 
But the interesting thing for us is that not only do we, were we not quite ready, you're never quite, it was, did anyone find that when they had kids, they were ready, hands up, you were, you found, ah, I've nailed this parenting thing. No, it's like, you find that you're just making it up every day sometimes. But it's not just the sense of, of we're ready, but it's more that line of let's make another one like us. Because what you will find is the chances of your child becoming like you is very much dependent on how much influence you have on your child's life and how much in close proximity there is a connection between you and that child. Otherwise, the child becomes very much like whoever they're in connection with. So children grow up to become and they copy the behavior of whoever they are closely connected to. So the only way the child becomes like us is if they are closely connected to us. And I found this clip on um, YouTube. I don't know if it's going to work. We're going to trust Grace and see, which kind of draws out that idea of children copying their environment. I'm afraid to click this stuff now because I think it might just... But let's see if it works. Do I turn around and do it that way? What's mommy's name? Mommy. What's daddy's name? <laughs> so <laughs> there's that sense in which this, the child has seen and the child copies. And I remember when we were, when we were kids growing up in Nigeria, now, Nigeria, though the, the language generally spoken in Nigeria is English, there's so many tribes in Nigeria, and all these tribes have so many languages. So my parents were from the East, which meant that our native language was Igbo. But we lived in the West of Nigeria, whose native language was Yoruba. And then we had some nannies who came from another part of Nigeria, whose native language was Calabar. And so we were in the house, and my, both my parents were working, and they said to our nannies, you can't speak Igbo, so don't speak to them in your native language. Only speak to them in English. And so whenever we would speak, we would sound like our nannies, but our nannies spoke a very interesting brand of English. And so we would sound like, you know, we would speak the pigeon vernacular street, not street English, but you know, we would speak a different brand of English and our parents weren't impressed either about that. And I always remember my dad when we got to our teenage years and he would, he would complain to me, about me in particular, and he would say, oh, why don't you speak Igbo? Why don't you speak Igbo? And I would look at him and think, well, it would have helped if you spoke Igbo to me. That might have done the trick. But children learn when they're in close connection with their parent or whoever they're in close connection to. And so when God says, let us make humanity like ourselves, let's make another one like us, initially, what he finds is that the moment that humanity is connected to God, humanity is like God, 
And if you've just started reading the Bible and you're still on Genesis, spoiler alert, it doesn't always stay that way. We go our own way. And because we go our own way, we become a lot like the environment that is around us. And what I realized is that there are a lot of movies um, who almost unconsciously paint the picture of what happens when we drift away from God. I don't know that they intended it. And it's, it's such classic movies. I'm sure there are movies that you hold up and say, oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. It's, you know, those movies like George of the Jungle or Tarzan or The Jungle Book, where the premise of the movie is that there is this child and somehow this child gets separated from his parents and ends up living in the wild. And so the child begins to behave like its environment. So with Mowgli in Jungle Book, he begins to behave like the bears or the tigers or swing like monkeys or do whatever the environment shows them. They adapt to their environment and they live in the wild. And the same thing happened to humanity. When we came away from God, we began to copy what we saw. We began to adapt to the environment of sin because you are very much shaped by who you were doing life with. But something interesting happens in these movies, and that is that at some point, they meet another person who looks like them. At some point in the journey, they meet another human being, and they find that they are suddenly so drawn towards that person because they think, this, this is what I should be like. Because all that time in the wild, they've always pondered the questions and thinking, something is not right, something is missing, I don't quite belong in this environment. And suddenly they see this person that is like them, and they're drawn in that direction, and they say, this is what, this is what I should be like. This is, this is how I should actually be walking like this, not like that. I should, you know, I should be speaking like this, not like that. And they think this is... This is who I should be, and they feel drawn to that person. And the same thing happens when we encounter Jesus for the first time. That there is something about Jesus that makes us think, perhaps I was created for this. There's something about him that catches our attention and captivates our hearts and makes us think, perhaps my life should be in this direction with this person, like this person. And we're left in that space of being confronted with what to do next. Do I stay here in the wild, you know, eating honey and singing songs about the bare necessities? Or do I go towards this Jesus who looks and he feels like that's where my life should belong? And we laugh about the bare necessities, but we do spend 
a lot of our time and a lot of our journey singing about the bare necessities and akuna matata and all the stuff because sometimes life can tell us that this is what it's all about. It's all about getting this, doing that, achieving this. But then we see Jesus and we think, could there, could there be more? Could there be more? Interestingly, I hope I'm not going to lose you with this bit of theological gymnastics that I'm about to perform, but I might lose myself. So <laughs> there's a sense in which in the, in, in the beginning, right at the very beginning, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then John, one of Jesus' disciples, he tells us that nothing was made that has been made I wasn't made through Jesus. And then Jesus, right at the end of the Bible in Revelations, he introduces himself to John as he says, I am the beginning. And so there was a sense in which you could read Genesis 1.1 in a sense that says, In Christ, God created the heavens and the earth. And so Paul comes to us and he says, any who are in Christ become a new creation. It's happening all over again. But that's where we get to Galatians because here's the thing with creation and the thing with becoming another one like us. But back to the original issue. Even when we see Jesus and we think, oh, perhaps this is who I should be with. This is what my life should look like. Perhaps there's something more here. We only become like him if we are living life constantly in connection to him. And we encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit. See, Galatians 5, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The thing about that language, fruit, is that it's not saying, the fruit of the Spirit is not something that the Holy Spirit shows up and it goes like, bam, now you're kind, bam, now you're gentle, bam, now you have self-control. It's not like that. The whole nature of fruit is that this is the outcome of doing life with the Holy Spirit. This is the outcome of doing life with Jesus. When you do life with Jesus, when I do life with Jesus, this is what happens. This is what it looks like. The joy, the peace, the gentleness. And I was reflecting on that and thinking about it in my own life and in, in the world in general, and I think... In moments, if there are moments when I am with someone I am, and I am not gentle or kind or loving, what's really behind that? And I find that it's probably because we're journeying with something else. When I'm journeying with my own anxiety and my own fear and my own worry and my own insecurities, then it comes out in the way I deal with people. The someone famously said that 
You know, if you, if you focus too much on money, if that's what your life becomes about, you'll become like money, hard and metallic. If you focus too much on the people who, who've hurt you and who've let you down, you become like them, bitter and resentful. If you focus too much on whatever we focus on, whatever we, it's predominantly the thing that we do life with, is what shapes us, is what shapes us. When I was a kid, there was that saying back home, I don't know if it was the same here, when they say, oh, show me your friend and I'll, I'll tell you who you are, that kind of thing. And I always reflect on that and think, mm, that doesn't really work for Jesus, does it? It, does it? It, does. it kind of falls flat there. But there's a truth in, show me who you're doing life with and I'll tell you who you are. Because we cannot get away, we cannot disconnect from the environment that has the greatest influence on our lives. If in my journey, the predominant influence of my life is an environment that speaks to my fear and speaks to my anxiety and speaks to my insecurity and speaks to my desire for me, me, me to come out on top, then when I come to you, that's what I will bring to the table as minister. I will bring to you insecurities and anxieties and selfishness. That's what I'll bring to the table. Because when we invite people into our lives, we're inviting them into the people and the things that we journey with as well. But the grace that we're invited to is that we journey with Jesus, so that when people come into our lives, it is Jesus that they are meeting. And that, that is the grace, that is the calling for believers. And it's not just because of who we become, it's because to be with Jesus is life itself. It's life itself. You know, when there is nothing like knowing the love of Jesus that makes you able to love someone. There's nothing like knowing the peace that Jesus brings into our story that helps you to be calm in your dealings with other people and with life's chaos. So it's not just a question of character building. It's a question of fullness of life. And I was thinking about my journey recently, and I, and I was thinking about a season in my life where I was journeying with, I had a really big anxiety over something. I was really anxious, and I was carrying this anxiety with me. And I remember once I was going for a run, and I would usually listen to music while going for a run. But then just feeling compelled, just compelled, don't listen to music, listen to that sermon. I didn't usually listen to sermons from this particular church, but I said, okay, I felt really compelled. I tuned and I listened to it as I ran. During the sermon, they mentioned, they mentioned a number of books, but a particular books stood out. And I felt compelled again. Buy that book. Buy that book. So compelled, I couldn't push it away. So I said, okay, fine, I'll buy the book. And so I did that. I bought the book. 
And as I read it, it was almost like someone came to this guy who wrote the book and said, all right, this is exactly what's going on in Andy's life. I want you to write a book about it. And he was like reading it and thinking, how did he know? How does he know? And he spoke such peace into my life that would have no doubt influenced the way that I was with others. And this is the grace of doing life with the Holy Spirit. It's not just about becoming a good boy or a good girl. It's about a transformation that blesses not just us, but the people that we journey with as well. And so someone says, he says, to seek after God is not simply to, it's not because God is lost or he's playing hide and seek. But to seek after God is to deliberately go to the spaces where God has said he can be found. To deliberately go to those spaces where God has said he can be found. So I guess my invitation for us as we go forward is prioritize a closer walk with Jesus above everything else. Because as, as Jesus says himself, seek that first and everything else will take care of itself. But prioritize a closer walk with Jesus above everything else because this is the greatest gift not only that we can give to others, but it's the greatest gift that we can give to ourselves. Jesus says, it is enough for the disciple to be like his or her master. That is enough. And so let us walk closely with Jesus that we may know his peace, we may know his joy, we may know the wonder of his presence, and we may bring that into our world as well. Amen. Amen. Let us pray as the worship team comes back to prepare. Let's pray. There's a prayer that Paul prays for um, the Ephesian church. I just want to pray that those words for us this morning. I pray that from our Father's glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower each of us with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. I pray that Christ will make his home in our hearts and that we will grow in the grace to trust in him. I pray that our roots will go deep down into God's marvelous love. And that everyone here, and even those in our community who aren't here today, will come to know, as all God's people should, how long, how high, how deep is God's love for us in Jesus that we may experience that love as we walk with him daily so that we are filled to, our, to the very fullness with the person and power of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.